Why do you stop at a red light? Cue the intro. But for real, why do you stop at a red light? Why do you stop at stop signs? I'm going to use that analogy to help us understand Jean-Jacques Rousseau's theory on the social contract. Again, we're in the Liberty Unit, so we're talking about how one can experience freedom or how that freedom is limited. Where is the line between good restrictions, bad restrictions, 1762, this dude named Jean-Jacques Rousseau releases a book or publishes a book called On the Social Contract. What is this social contract? How can we use it to understand our lives today? We're going to get into it. But first, this episode is brought to you by the internet. Need a way to communicate with people in China? Need a way to learn just about anything you can possibly learn to look up any piece of information? Need a way to watch 10 minutes of Fail Army and cat videos? Folks, this invention is called the internet and I don't really know exactly what it is. I just know I use it every day and you can too. You can search just about whatever you want. You can find whatever you want. You can watch videos of people you will never actually meet in real life. It's called the internet. You can learn just about anything. And yet, you can also spend three hours watching cat videos. It's your choice. You have the freedom to do that. It's within your liberty. Go on to google.com, www.google.com. Type in those who wonder and you're going to get a promo code and you will then have access to the internet and then search whatever you want. See what happens. I also have another brief announcement. I'm going to be taking a break from podcasting. At least I'm in my last semester of grad school and it's a lot of research that's about to be popping up as well as I'm taking a course with Nat Geo Education, so I'm busy and I don't want to spread myself too thin and not do a good job. So when this semester is over, I will be continuing the podcast on World Studies. There are plenty of other episodes, so you can, if you're actually interested in this podcast, start from the top, look at the big three, then there's like design thinking and other um, series I got ideas for the podcast, things I want to do with it. So I'm going to take some time, step back, not like force myself to do this. And because I want to do it well. So when the semester is over, I'm going to jump back. This is my last semester. I'm done with grad school. So then I can do podcasts full time. I'm going to quit my job. I did grad school so I could podcast. So if you'll miss me, I do have other series you can check that out. Tell your friends. Send me podcasts of your own. If you want, I will gladly, as long as it's like within the scope of what this podcast thing is all about. Objective curiosity leads to understanding reflected upon is wisdom. Boom. If you can do that and you want to like send me an MP3 file and I can post that up, I will gladly do that. Hit me up. I'll put the email in the comments or the, what, this summary section below. Okay, we are in the Liberty Unit. We talked about liberty is freedom from restriction. We talked about the powers that be, that could be government or authority. Could be, uh, I mean, for my students, it's like parents, coaches, teachers, for your average adult that is boss or manager. You might be your own boss, cool. Another power that is a power that be is money that 
restricts you from just doing whatever you want. Again, so if you have like ultimate freedom, you can do any action or say anything or think anything you want. What restricts you? Government or laws, authority, such as parents or teachers or bosses, money. You can't afford to just do whatever you want. That reminds me of the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Money helps us reach the main need of food, water, shelter. Ideally, and then like we can do stuff that'll entertain us. But if currency wasn't a thing, which I'm sure some people are like, currency's fake, man. We don't need it. I'm like, okay, but we're still gonna trade stuff. So well, like I'm gonna go collect mushrooms and then do it right. But even if currency was out and I was a hunter gatherer, I can't just do whatever I want. I can, I guess. I can do whatever I want, but if I don't do the things that should be my priority, I'm not gonna live. I'm gonna starve to death. So like there are things you have to do, ideally that you're prioritizing. Last one's culture. So I, now I can, if I want, go outside wearing a dress. A hundred years ago, as a male, I don't think I could do that. Culture kind of connects to government even, like it was illegal to be gay really not that long ago, which is wild. And we're going to dive into like the black American experience. If you look at like government, culture, even money, they have, those are, there are a lot of powers that be that historically have restricted them from being ultimately free. I think this past year, a lot of white Americans have been like, yeah, man, we got freedom in America. And then they look at other people's experiences and like, hmm, I guess when I say we, I don't mean like literally everybody. So that's been the kind of an awakening for a larger population in the United States. Ideally, that's good. And the goal is that in the United States, and we'll get into this a lot deeper, but for like my American studies class, we after getting into like the historical thinking skills and like what you need to do, how you need to think in order to approach this class, we look at everyone is created equal in the Declaration of Independence. Everyone's created equal and everyone has the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And then we're like, is this true historically? Like, have we met up to that? Nope. But that's like our standard of measure, right? Everyone is receiving equal treatment in regards to their access to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what America should be. So like, that's what the flag represents. I don't think we've, well, I, it's not, I don't, we've never actually reached that. There are a lot of identifiers that prevent someone from getting that. They get, like this, this is liberty, right? It's what is it in theory? What's the best approach? The individual versus the collective, the balance, like can't go on one total side. How has liberty been or freedom been restricted around the world? What are the powers that be different examples of it? Where is it worse? Like in the Middle East for women culturally, I guess the government as well, but like they're restricted, you could say, depending on the situation. So looking at time and space around the world, what does liberty look like? How is there a lack thereof? Almost like non-examples of it. And then historically, especially in the US, like how has there been a lack of liberty? But also like that's a lot of what drives the United States is people pushing for that. And then there's pushback. But coming back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, in the 1700s. So keep in mind, he published this book in 1762. Let me just double check. Yeah, 1762. So this is prior to the American Revolution. You're going to see, if you pay attention to the American Revolution, a lot of the ideas that are in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence are borrowed, taken from people experiencing the enlightenment in Europe. So the enlightenment is this new era where people are thinking in a different way. Like a lot of it was controlled by the church. And then all of a sudden people are like, hold up, 
is that the one way to understand life? And then it really opens up the door. They have like the forbidden fruit, if you will. So a lot of the ideas coming from the enlightenment are dealing with like, is it proper to just have this king or queen, this monarchy that is chosen by God? And like, I, as a subject, my purpose is to like serve the king. Like, is that, is that necessarily right? So the ideas that come from that, like checks and balances or life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, or this concept of the social contract, it's coming from the enlightenment. And then we take these ideas that people have and like, this is how we're going to set our society. And it's been an experiment ever since. Rousseau was a French philosopher and he viewed government as corrupt. And in his book on the social contract, he's talking about like potentially, it's not even like an alternative to government, but he's re-evaluating or reconsidering what is the point of the government. So like two ways of looking at it, you are there to serve the government or the government is there to serve and protect you. So I'm going to read from the social contract, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. I'm going to talk about it and then ideally apply it just for a step to think about. And it's going to come back to the red light. Yes, that wonderful hook that I use to make you think to yourself, I have to listen to this. Why do I stop at a red light? Maybe you're at a red light right now and you're just like, your foot's about to let go of the brake and you're just about to just floor it. You're like, screw it. Why am I stopping? I'm free. Anywho, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, quote, man is born free and everywhere he is in chains or slavery. This is because man has given up his freedom to many masters in order to preserve, protect his life. This primitive condition can continue no longer. The problem now is to find a form of government that will defend the life and possessions of each member while still allowing each member to govern himself and remain as free as before. The social contract contract provides a solution to this fundamental problem. The masses must unite together. This union of all people is called the general will. Each person must put himself and all his power under the control of the general will and must obey whatever the general will decides. Each member has the same power and is an equally important part of the whole, the general will. Through this social contract, man keeps as many of the freedoms he has received from nature as possible. Each man, by giving his freedom to everyone, gives his freedom to no one. Because each person gives their freedom to the general will, they also become part of the general will and have the same power as everyone else in the general will. End quote. 1762, this dude was woke. That was a lot. So we're going to break that down. But again, this is in a time where kings and queens exist. And people were subject to the king or queen. So let's break this down and then apply it to our lives. Man is born free and everywhere he is in chains. So when you are born, you're like, you're not literally free. Like you can't do whatever you want, but government is a man-made thing. But also like even thinking about that, is that true? Like I'm looking, I'm thinking about other animals in nature. You're born into a pack, let's say like there is a hierarchy and there are expectations and it's kind of like survival of the fittest for the most part, depending on the species. So I don't know if he's literally saying free, but I perhaps what he's talking about is the government and the cultural powers that be. You are you, like you are your soul, whatever you want to call it, consciousness. So like the time and place you're born into, that is going to influence how much freedom you have. So the world you enter into has been well established prior to your entrance and you are entering into that. So it's like, it's bigger than you, right? It's not like when you walk in or you're born into the world and then you're like, this is how I want it to be. Everyone's like, it shall be done. Like you're born into the world and everyone's like, yeah, uh, sit down, be quiet and raise your hand. You're like, oh, okay. 
So those are the chains. Again, the powers that be can be a lot, can be a little. You could be born into an oppressive government, an oppressive family. You could be a minority in a culture that does not value minorities. You could be born very poor. What Rousseau says is, this is because man has given up his freedom to many masters in order to preserve his life. Like, what is anarchy? Imagine if there was no government and there are no rules. There would be potentially chaos. Now, Rousseau is going to say not necessarily, and that's the social contract. It's like pressing restart. But if we were to go with like the government goes down tomorrow, there would initially be chaos because people are, they do whatever they want. Like, it's like the Wild West in the sense that I, if someone is breaking into my house, I call the police because it is illegal for you to break into my house and the police are going to protect me. Ideally, the government is going to protect me from like starving to death. They're going to help out. Like I give up my freedom. I join and like agree to the laws because in that system, there is order and I will be protected. Now, the issue is when the government or any organization can tend to be corrupt. And so Rousseau says, the problem now is to find a form of government that will defend the life and possessions of each member while still allowing each member to govern himself and remain as free as before. So what's the best case scenario? Best case scenario is I can live without fear. I can live protected with my life and my possessions. So... I'm not in constant fear that I have to sit around the stuff that I own with a gun. And like, that's a very literal. So like, I'm not sitting in my house, like looking around with a gun. Like I can go to work. I can live without the fear of losing my life or losing possessions. Order. I can trust the system. Perhaps this analogy could help. Imagine I use the playground a lot because that is, it's like, what is that? Lord of the Flies. It's kids figuring it out on their own. I mean, people are watching, but they can't monitor everything. And so imagine you are a kid that is living in fear of you're constantly at the experiencing the threat of being attacked, let's say. Like people are going to run up to you, push you to the ground, take your lunch money, that's your possession, take your hat. Like you're living, this is a daily experience for you, which is some people do experience that. You you do not have the means to protect yourself. What are your options? You can go solo or you can join in a group. Like a gang, in a sense, of like, yo, I'm going to join in with these people and they're going to watch out for me. So, like, I can live in less fear. So, I'm not just going to, while I'm walking around, someone's going to jump me. They're like, hold up, he's under this protection. And so, if I attack him, I'll also get attacked. That's the not living in fear part. Where does it go wrong? If when it's like, I'm going to join this group and they're like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll protect you. But you now have to do what we say. It's like, hold on. I'm I'm giving, I'm giving away like my personal. And how does Rousseau say still allowing each member to govern himself and remain as free as before. So I'm giving, I'm joining this group. I'm becoming a subject. I'm not like a leader in the group, let's say, but they're like, yeah, um, how much lunch money do you got? $1.50 a day. You owe us 25 cents a day. Taxes, we'll call it, for your protection. You can't talk to those people. 
you have to wear these colors. If you want to be if you want to be protected by us. That is the dilemma here. Now, the dilemma that Rousseau, the world that Rousseau's living in, it's not as extreme anymore to the possibility, but the power that be could be like, I'm taking all of your lunch money and I will give you a roll, a little what is it, those like half tiny rolls and like the little packet of butter. Like that's what you get for protection. And if you don't like it, go ahead and leave. So Rousseau is saying we want to find the balance of protection, but also I want to have autonomy over my life. The minimal amount of, no, you can't do that. If you want to be protected by us, you can't do that. Like minimal amount. So he says, (laughs) so I says to him, So Rousseau says the social contract provides a solution to this fundamental problem, the balance between being protected but having autonomy. The masses must unite together. This union of all people is called the general will. This is is what I find to be interesting. It almost seems dangerously close to communism. Like when I'm reading that, I'm like the general will. That seems propaganda-ish. Each person must put himself and all his power under the control of the general will and must obey whatever the general will decides. Each member has the same power and is an equally important part of the whole, the general will. So let's break that down. The, the, is it going to be everyone at the playground? Is it going to be our group? And let's just say, even if it's like the group that I'm joining in, because... Too many cultural differences between everyone on the playground. It's going to be difficult. The larger the number gets, you're going to see it's more difficult to like establish and um, live out the social contract. Let's say we got 20 kids. Essentially saying everyone is going to get together. And the general will is we want to be protected and we want to have autonomy over ourselves. Each person must put himself and all his power under the control of the general will and must must obey whatever the general will decides. So, the 20 of us are going to come together and we're going to say, all right, what are the rules here? With the mindset that the rules are that I am protected, I feel like I can live in order and like a lack of chaos, but I have control over myself. So someone's like, You can't wear red. And the other 19 people are like, why? That doesn't make sense. So like one dude can't say, I don't like red. So now everyone else is like, fine. Like, I guess I won't wear red. If whatever the general will. So the 20 people are like, what are the rules here? Can you murder someone in our group? Like, no. This is key. The next part. Each man, by giving his freedom to everyone, gives his freedom to no one. Because each person gives their freedom to the general will, they also become part of the general will and have the same power as everyone else in the general will. No one can tell anyone else what to do once the rules have been decided. No one can, like, impose their ideas on me if it's not a part of the general will. Is anyone else getting a little bit of a communism alert? Like my communism senses are tingling. Like the general will, we're going to start calling each other comrade. But the point is not one person can take over and make decisions that like I have to listen to. We all come together and we say, what is best for the group? And whatever is best for the group, we're all going to agree that if we can follow that, this is the social contract. Like, we're going to look at each other. It's like, okay, yeah, we will. It's like almost like what the Amish do in a sense of like, yeah, we'll agree that we should probably pitch in some of our lunch money just in case like one kid gets jumped and then like, we'll help pay for his thing. Like, yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice that for the like the general will for the greater good. If that happens to me, I trust you all do the same. Like, we all look around, nod at each other. Like, yes, that seems reasonable. Okay, we all agree that we'll not we're not going to steal from each other. 
Yes, can we all agree upon this? So if I don't steal from you, well, no, it's I don't want you to steal from me, therefore I won't steal from you. Can we agree upon this? We're all looking around like, yes. So by doing that, there is no hierarchy. Now, my immediate thoughts are good luck. There's going to be like popularity, people influencing each other, whatever else. And like that's where humans start to come involved. And that's why, frankly, folks, I don't think communi- like this feels like communism, but in like a Western person's idea with it, like America took. So we're like, oh, it's not communism. It feels kind of close. It feels like the ideal of what communism is. In my opinion, where communism fails is it like takes away the human factor of there's going to be cliques. There's going to be people that are more popular than others. People are going to listen to someone more than listen to someone else. People can influence each other. But ideally, if 20 of us come together, we look around and say, hey, I don't want you to do this to me. I won't do it to you. And if we can agree upon that, then no one's telling anyone else what to do. Like if I break the general will, that is something else. But no one's in charge of me once we've established this. That was kind of like the game that I played with Michael. It was like, where's the line? So if once we can agree upon this, we're good. And like, we don't need police. We don't need, we can govern ourselves essentially. Now, real life example, the red light comes full circle. Why do you stop at a red light? You may be thinking to yourself, I stop, well, I stop at a red light because if I go at a red light, like I might get pulled over. Like, okay. If you were totally free, think about this. If you're totally free, that light means nothing to you. It's just a color. You're like, I'm going. I want to go. I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. So when the light is yellow, red, green, doesn't matter if you're totally free you're just gonna go but why do you stop at the red light ideally it's even if there weren't police i think people would still stop at a red light why well if i go when it's red other people have a green light so like i'm i'm just gonna fly into the intersection get an accident and i don't want to get into an accident bingo and you're like, duh. Yeah, but think about it like this. I why do you I guess another question is why do you go at a green light? You're like, well, it's green. Yeah, but like, do you trust that people that have red are going to stop be your actions would say, yeah, you do. Because you're going. Like you might go and like look a little bit, but when it turns green, you're like and you just start driving. It is totally possible because we have a bunch of autonomous people in vehicles that they're like, it's my world, man. And they just drive at the, what doesn't matter what the light is. So if it could be red and they're just going to fly through the intersection and you could get hit. It is better for all of us. Imagine if we lost faith in the red light and green light system. If that meant nothing, like think about what happens across the US if just the lights stop working. You need people to be sitting there like directing like, you need to stop right now because these people have been waiting for two minutes. So stop, you're gonna go eventually, right? Like it's sacrificing your own personal desires. But when the light goes out initially, it's kind of every man for himself. The red light, green light system, you are giving up your own personal freedom in order to get more freedom because you stop when you're told to stop you're able to get where you want to go you can go to work 
You can go to the mall. You can go and do whatever you want. You don't have to live in the chaos of, like, it's the protection of just (laughs) living around idiots who are like, screw it, and just don't care about anyone. They're going to do whatever interests them to get through that intersection. Those people are out there. The red light at least stops them. Once it turns into, because here's how I would view it. If the light system would go out, you're going to have people that will serve their own personal interest before anything else, like no matter what. And once that starts to happen, more and more people, I think, would start to be like, okay, screw it. I need to do what I need to do to get through this intersection. So I'm going to, I'm going to be cutting people off. And that behavior just starts to lead to more and more chaos where when you roll up to this thing, you don't know how long you're going to be in there for. You don't know if you're going to get hit. And like, you got to step over people. But if we can agree upon the order that when you have read, you're going to stop and I'm going to go. And when it's my turn to stop, I'm going to do it. I wish I want it to be green so I can go. But I'm going to stop. And if I do this, I don't want you to go when you have red and I have green. So I'm going to stop when I have red and you have green. That's the social contract. Pretty much seems to me it's the treat others how you would like to be treated. And if we can all agree upon that. Do we need anyone to tell anyone else what to do? It, and that is so oversimplified because no one can agree upon how some people want to be treated is differently than how other people want to be treated. So then it's like, well, whose answer to that question is what we're going to live off of? So like we're constantly trying to figure that out. So we we are really kind of experiencing the social contract. But the red light to me represents essentially what Rousseau is talking about. We're all going to give ourselves to the light. Now, not going to lie. Like, I'm up at 4.45, I take the dogs out, so I'm driving around, like, 5 in the morning. Sometimes I'm sitting at a red light, and there's, like, no one else there. And then the thought, like, enters my mind, like, man, I'm a slave to this light. Like, this light is telling me what to do. I'm stopped, like, no one, I could go right now. And then I'm like, yeah, but if there's a cop, Then I'm like, honestly, if that cop pulls me over, that dude needs to chill out. Or dudette needs to chill out. Like, no one's going. But it's possible. But it again, it's that balance. I'm going to... So what is it? It's almost like I'm going to stop at the red light when someone else is there and they have green... But honestly, if I have like autonomy over myself and I'm trying to remain as free as before, if I'm in a red light and like no one else is around, I think I should be able to go through. I don't have to like wait for it to be green when like literally no one is there for as far as I can see. Here's another one that I was just thinking of, another example I was thinking of yesterday that like I think is the application and something for us to ponder until I come back with the podcast. But Kendra, my wife, and I were doing a little hike yesterday. And it's winter. So like we wore winter clothes and we're doing this hike. And eventually, like the sun was out and it was in like the mid-40s where it started to feel almost hot. So we had all these layers and like started started to take off the layers. Like I took off my jacket, Kendra took off her jacket. And she's like, I'm just going to lay this here. And was, and then she's like, well, my phone and my keys are in there. I was like, I'll just hold them for you. We weren't able to just put the jacket down with like a wallet, keys, and phone. Why? 
Well, it's not a fear that like a bear would come up and steal the jacket. We were potentially concerned that someone would walk up and take the jacket. It almost, it felt freeing to just like leave clothes there. Like nice, like this feels, this feels nice. There's almost hope in humanity, but we didn't trust it entirely of like, I'm not going to leave my keys there because that like someone could take it. And then we did the hike. No one was around. So we just came back. The jacket was there picked it up, boom, kept going. But we didn't trust society enough to leave the keys of the phone there. She didn't have her wallet on her. It was in the car. And then I was thinking, I was laying in bed last night thinking, I wish I lived in a society where like the general will would pretty much agree that if it's not your jacket, don't pick it up. If you're walking down, and I would think, for honestly, for the most part, I would trust most people, but I don't trust people enough that, like, if I were hiking and I see someone's jacket, I'm not about to think to myself, I should see if, like, their keys are in there, that I'm going to take their keys, right? Like, I wouldn't do that. Can I trust that everyone in our society will do that? Honestly, no. I Like, there are a few bad apples where it prevents me from having like full freedom. There is still a little bit of chaos. And like chaos is not a bad thing. Like complete order is like we're ants and I don't like that. I I guess leaving the jacket there like opened up chaos. It's like I'm, there's a chance that that jacket might get stolen. But I was just thinking it'd be cool to live in a society where I could leave my jacket with a wallet and keys, my phone, and like just walk away and come back an hour later, trusting that it wouldn't be stolen. I guess what happens is, or what ha- happened was, I listened to enough murder podcasts where people are like living. I don't know if this is like a southern southern thing or what, but like we didn't we don't lock our doors in this community. Like, okay, then you're the one who gets got. Like that Night Stalker documentary on Netflix where people were just like, I didn't want to have to lock my door. And then the Night Stalker just comes in and kills people. It's like the door is unlocked. It's like, ideally, we can live in a world where we don't have to lock the front door. Like the general will is, do you want someone to come into your house in the middle of the night and steal from you? No? Okay, then you're going to agree I'm not going to do that to someone else. Cool cool we don't have to lock our doors that's not the case because i do not trust that everyone's going to agree to it and that's the problem right like you need everyone to agree upon the general will and then to follow it that's what i when i said as the number gets higher i don't think it's possible with 300 something million people There's no way we're all going to agree upon the rules. And there's no way that we can just trust everyone. Why? Go back to the Sondra episode I did. Like, we don't think of each other as our family or our neighbors all the time. I wouldn't... I, I wouldn't do it to anyone, but I wouldn't... If I knew the person... I wouldn't like walk up and like steal their wallet and then we're like, hey, I'm missing my wallet. Like, I don't know where that went. If I know the person, I'm going to treat them a lot differently than if I don't know the person, but like we're all in the same community. So the the application part is let's try to make that better, right? It's I can't control what everyone does. I can't make America greater than it is (laughs) i can't make america a safer place and when i say that i mean in the sense of like i can't snap my fingers and say this is what i want it to be now let's all do it and it just becomes what it is i can't make people be good what can i do i can control my own actions so I can be the person that when I'm walking down the trail and I see a jacket, I'm not going to touch it. 
And with the hope being, it's the same thing with the analogy I did with uh, polluting. I think, yeah, it was in the Sonder episode. Again, go check the big three out. I would say it's pretty good. I did it, so I'm biased. But one person litters, they just like throw their plastic bottle, like, ah, it's just one bottle. But when 300 million people are like, ah, it's just one bottle, then it's 300 million plastic bottles. It's the same thing for positive positive actions and negative actions. Like when you cut someone off, you're like, ah, it's whatever. I don't know them. I got to get to work. But you are now like enabling for negativity to enter into the world. So if we're going to have the social contract, we have to live, live out the idea of like treat others the way you want to be treated. I don't want to have to feel concerned about the potential chaos. I know the chaos is never going to stop because you will always have bad apples. And like we're humans. The thing I was saying, like establishing the general will, but like, yeah, but there's going to be popularity. There's going to be people that can influence others differently. Yes. So it's the the influencing part. Am I influencing people for what I want and like solely what I want or for what's good? Right? Like how am I influencing people? How am I behaving towards others? Because I've said this in multiple podcasts, I think. I believe that every human is very similar in the sense that like we all want to experience joy and we don't want to live in chaos of like being unsure about our own health or our family's health or well-being. That's the general will. It's pretty much like the live and let live, man. Like, hey, you are, and this is not from my own personal perspective, just want to clarify, but you're like, someone's like, hey, you're gay. You're a homosexual. I don't agree with that. But can I empathize and say like, okay, if I'm doing something that someone else disagrees with, but it's not actually hurting them, like, do I want, am I going to listen to them and like, stop doing what I'm doing? Do I want to do that? No. So I should let other people do what they want to do as long as it's not like infringing upon like my health, my well-being, like I don't want to, as long as it's not putting me in the chaos of uncertainty, then I'm, then go ahead and do it. That's, I think like a key is the general will is not my will. It's the general will. And what is the general will? For the most part, people want to have autonomy over their lives. And this is what Rousseau said. The problem now is to find a form of government that will defend the life and possessions of each member while still allowing each member to govern himself and remain as free as before. That's like, I'm, and I'm, again, I am a Christian. I'm call, I will call out a lot of Christians right now to say it like their concept of it's like they don't I'm trying to think I've had a word this when they're like the general will and they're like homosexuality is a sin and like gay marriage should not be legal like that's your will that's not the general will that's what you want I think that makes sense it's like is any it connects to the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. People deserve the right to be alive. The right to live. No matter what color of their skin, sexual orientation, gender, religion, whatever. People deserve freedom from restriction. Unnecessary restriction. And people deserve the right to pursue happiness in our society. That's the general will. Now, you... disagree like and 
and when I say you, I don't even know if I'm talking to anyone that like disagrees with gay marriage. I feel like in 21, well, there's definitely people out there. But like you disagree with it, right? But like is your feelings of like, I don't think that's right. Does that outweigh their right to be free from restriction and their ability to pursue happiness? My opinion, no. They should be able to do it. Why? Because they have freedom from restriction. Like your opinions are restricting them, man. That doesn't make sense. Like the general will is life, liberty, pursuit of happiness equally. It's not what you want. It's what we all want. We all want to have autonomy over ourselves. I don't want your opinions to like infl- like vegans. And I'm not saying vegans are doing this, but like if you need to empathize with someone and I'm saying this as a straight person, my guess, like an attempt to empathize with someone who is gay, who's like people around them are saying like, you can't do that. Imagine like if you like to eat meat and like you eat burgers and then vegans are like, we're going to put into law that you can't eat meat. People will be like, hold up. No way. You can't tell me what I can and cannot eat. And like that level to pursuing happiness and being in love and getting married, that's not the same. And the point was like if vegans all of a sudden get in power and they're like, no more meat, I would cite back Rousseau's social contract of 1762 and say, hold up now. You can't tell me what to do. Like you are not more important than me. We're equal in this society. Your opinion is not higher than my opinion. So like, because you don't agree with eating meat doesn't mean that I can't eat meat. Just the same as like, just because you don't agree with homosexuality doesn't mean that someone else can't be a homosexual. Bringing it back, where's the line? Because like, someone's a pedophile. Like, hey man, just because you say and like, you don't think people should be pedophiles doesn't mean that it influences me like okay and that was the game with michael where's the line so any application in our lives fight for freedom (laughs) yeah not just for yourself but the two things to recognize this concept of like the general will versus your will and also How much are you being the person? How much are you a part of the problem that I couldn't leave the phone and the keys in the jacket in the trail? You might be like, I'm not a problem at all. I don't believe you. We're all still a part of the problem. No one here is perfect. It's like the pay it forward with positivity. Ideally, ideally you're doing great. I would really hope for that. But I have to ask myself, like, is there anything that I'm doing that is preventing this world from being a better place? What, this is about to be hippy dippy. What energy am I bringing into the world? For the greater good of the general will. And for the greater, and I feel like just, I have to clarify, I'm not against gay marriage by any means. Like for the greater good of the general will, if you were against gay marriage, like party's like, I don't know, the Bible says. For the greater good of the general will, you might want to just like shove that one down. Just a thought. A lot of things. Why? Because what's good for the general will Smiling at someone, holding the door open for someone, and asking them how their day is and actually meaning it. Sharing a meal with someone. Inviting someone in and not being like, are they about to just like eye up all the possessions in my house and think about like what they could steal? Right? <laughs> like, it like someone random like hey man come on in and then that person's like oh nice that's a nice drum set 
might have to swing by when I know that person's not home and snag that. Can we trust people that we don't know? And it goes back to that you should listen to the, if I do say so myself, listen to the Sandra episode. So I'm going to be gone for a bit. I got to finish up grad school, get my master's degree, and I got to take a course with Nat Geo. And then uh, I'm going to come back with a vengeance, and I'm going to be doing this global Veritas World Studies podcast, pod class. I'm only in the second unit. I got another series I want to start doing. I got ideas. If you want to be a part of this, hit me up. It's those who wonder 1993 at gmail.com. I'll put it in the uh, episode summary. And folks, thanks for listening. I truly appreciate it. I mean, honestly, I have fun doing this just by myself. I joke with Kendra. I'm just like, I'm just going to go talk to myself for an hour. It helps. It's therapeutic. Hopefully you're learning. Hopefully it's making you think. I'd like to do more episodes where like I'm with talking with Michael, other friends. I'd like to like contact people at like the Carlisle War College, talking about like sovereignty and like getting other professionals in. I will be coming back at the end of May, I believe, beginning of June. So keep your eyes peeled. Until then, ELE, everybody love everybody, love thy neighbor. And as Mr. Rogers said, everyone is your neighbor. Was that deductive reasoning? If I am to love my neighbor and everyone is my neighbor, then I am to love everyone. Boom! That's some thinking right there. Adios. The bell is ringing. Stay free. Pistol.